Welcome to another inspiring message from Pastor David Hall, Senior Pastor of LifePoint Church. For more information, visit our website on www.davidhall.com.au. John chapter 7. Are you ready for the word? John chapter 7, and it reads like this in verse 37. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, out of his heart, King James says, out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. Rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Can I just say this before we start, that when it comes to the things of God, when it comes to Jesus, when it comes to the power of the Holy Spirit, when it comes to His touch, everything was made possible when Jesus was glorified. That means when He put on His glorified body and ascended to heaven. And I believe that whenever we glorify Jesus, whenever Jesus is glorified, that's when the Spirit of God moves in the greatest measure, touching hearts and touching lives. The Holy Spirit will always move in an atmosphere that glorifies Christ. And, and I want to I open this, but before, before I do, you've got to understand that the, the feast that was taking place when this, when this statement was made by Jesus was what is known as the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, Basically, the Feast of Tabernacles of all the feasts was probably the fun one. It was the, the funnest one. It was like Christmas, New Year, and, and uh, whatever other public holiday you can think of, Royal Show Day, I don't know, whatever, whatever day you can think of as something to look forward to, New Year's Eve, whatever, uh, it, it really was all of those moments rolled up into one. And, and what would happen on the Feast of Tabernacles, the high priest would get a golden pitcher, uh, P-I-T-C-H-E-R, like a, a golden jug, a, a pitcher of water, and, and would dip it into the pool of Siloam. He would take that, uh, that, that, that water, carry it back into the temple, and would pour it on the altar of sacrifice. And what would happen at that, at that moment, that the people would declare the scripture with joy. Isaiah 12, 3 says, with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. And at that moment, the, the, the entirety of Israel that was gathered at that feast would rejoice, celebrate. And church, it'd just get crazy. It would just get wild. They'd dance, they'd celebrate, they'd just be pumped based on this symbolic moment. And Jesus is watching them and, and watching this happen because he was at that feast. He's, he's watching them get all pumped out of some symbolism that they, I guess they were, they, they were pouring water as some kind of sign that one day a Messiah would come, Jesus would come, or well, they didn't think it would be Jesus, but the, the, the Messiah, the chosen one, the Christ would come. And little did they know that he was actually already there in their midst. And, 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 he, and he says this, it, he, it says that he stood up. Can you imagine that moment? They're all going crazy. And then Jesus says, hey, let me, let me say this. If, if any man thirsts, let him come. In, in, in other words, the reason he's saying that is obviously people were celebrating a bit of water when the one who was living water was already there. And, and he said, if any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. And, and he who believes, as the scripture says, out of his belly, out of his innermost being flows 
rivers of living water. And he's talking about the Holy Spirit who was not yet given because Jesus hadn't been glorified. He hadn't been taken into heaven. And, and this story is powerful because he knew they were drinking from ritual, but the next day they would still have the same problems. They'd still have the same disappointments. They'd still have the same challenges. They'd still have the same fears, frustrations, what habits, whatever the case may be. And he knew that if he could just let the people know that there was, there was a water that you could drink of that wasn't symbolic, it wasn't a, a, a picture of something to come, it was an actual living reality, the water of heaven, if you could drink from the power of God, the thirst of your heart would be quenched. And I don't know about you, but we're living in a thirsty world, but the world doesn't realize that there is living water right there and available. You may thirst tonight. You might may, may feel dissatisfied in your walk with God. I want to remind you that there is one who the woman of the well was talking to when she met Jesus. And, and, and he asked her to give him a drink and, 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 and she did, and, and they had this chat, but then he said to her, he said, if you drink this water, you thirst again. It's momentary, but there is a water from which you drink that if you drink, you'll never thirst again. It's a perpetual spring springing up in your spirit. Once you've tasted of the waters of God, once you've tasted of the waters of heaven, once you've tasted of that which flows from God, the Bible says in Revelation 22, and John saw this when he was touched by the Holy Spirit. He said, he showed me a river that flows from the throne of God unto the Lamb. And basically, in a nutshell, he said, it brought healing wherever it goes. There is a river, and I want to tell you where it flows from. It flows from God. It flow, come on, are you with me tonight? There's a river that flows from heaven, and, and that river is a person. That river is a person. It's not a style of church. It's not a theology. It's not a a perspective. The river is a person and that person is the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon your life, the, 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 the thirst for the things that are not of God begin to go as satisfaction uh, as, as to who he is. And, and because of who he is, where that satisfaction rises in your life and contentment begins to rise. Why do you think Paul was able to say, I, I've been abased? In other words, I've been poor. And he says, and I've been blessed and in seasons of provision. And it doesn't matter about any of those things. I've learned to be content. I've found contentment because he knew that which truly satisfies is not stuff. It's not, it's not things. It's not the number of likes you get on the Instagram. Some people live for the double tap. They ego surf. I, I post pics every now and then and I just check every couple of minutes to see how many more people have liked it. I'm like, Donna, people are liking this. This is so awesome. And, uh, and I get pumped. You know, but the tru- truth is that, that stuff, that stuff won't satisfy you. Because there's always going to be someone that's doing better than you. There's always someone more popular than you. There's always someone cooler than you. There's always someone better looking than you. Uh, the, sorry to break that to you. Except for you, Pastor Keith, there is no one uh, better looking than you. But, but I, I, I will, except Pastor Wendy, but I will, I will tell you this. That when our satisfaction's in him, jealousies go. Comparison goes. You don't, you don't look at their portion and curse God for not giving you as good a portion as them. You just live in a space of blessing and favor of God. And, and on that last great day, he says, if anyone thirsts. Uh, verse 37 is no coincidence that he says on the last day, that great day of the feast. Can I be a bit old school for a minute? Uh, 
Paul said that he was living in the final hour. Peter said, in the last days, quoting the prophet Joel, he says, in the last days, says God, I'll pour out my spirit. And he was saying that based on, on that moment, that he said that in, in, in 2015 years ago, he, he says, in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit. Can, can I just tell you, if, if Paul said, oh, we're living in the final hour, and, uh, and Peter said, these are the last days, then what well, we're in 2,000 years ago has to be the final seconds. We, we are in the last days. I mean, at any moment, all prophecy in the Bible has been fulfilled for a rapture of the church to take place. And, and Jesus is coming back. The Bible says that. He, he first came, he walked the streets uh, of earth and, and ministered and brought life. But Jesus is coming back. I saw somebody say the other day, Jesus is coming back, so look busy. I don't want to just look busy. I want to be busy serving Jesus, winning people to Christ, seeing lives impacted by the glory. Of, come on, somebody. Are you alive tonight? Is anyone, do I have any friends in the house? Good. Thank you, you three. I believe we're in this together. But, but I, as, as a church, I do believe we should have a culture of faith when we come around the Word of God and receive from heaven. But, but, but the world is getting a little bit crazy. I don't know. I'm just looking at some of the pastors and people that have been in church a while. When I was a young fella at Paradise, we'd get these guest speakers in. And one of them, he used to come every year. And I remember the place was packed out. He'd always have gizmos and gadgets and, and microchips to tell us how, how we're all going to hell if we take this microchip. A guy called Barry Smith. A guy called Barry Smith. Now, Barry Smith's going to be with the Lord, but Barry Smith was like a, an expert on end times. And, and I remember one day he held up a bank card in church and said, if you've got a bank card, it's the mark of the beast because B in bank card had three little lines in it. So it looked like a six within a six within a six. And I remember I had a Visa card that had three sixes in it. I thought that was an omen for sure. And, but, uh, but, I, but, I, but I can tell you this, that, that he was prophesying and, and that guy was credible. He was anointed and, and carried, carried a gift of God to discern and divide the word in, in, in a relevant way for that day and that hour. And, and he, said, he said, mark my words, there'll come a day where we'll see guillotines being, being used to stop the spread of the gospel. And, and then we look today at... at uh, at what God's doing, uh, sorry, not what God's doing, I'd say not God at all, it's against God, it's an enmity with God, but what is happening on planet earth right now is unbelievable, and more than anything uh, in the world, the only hope for this planet is not religion, uh, it's, it's not a, another church growth conference, it's not a, a, another, another best-selling book or another Christian kind of gimmicky kind of thing. What we actually need is a move of God. What we actually need is a visitation from heaven that over this church we'd have it. Come on, somebody, if you believe that we would, that we would have a church full of people who are hungry, that, that believe that God wants to touch this land and, and wants to do something. I know I talk about the power of the Holy Spirit enough, uh, a, a, a lot, but, but, but I can't do what God's called me to do without His power. You, you can't do what God's called you to do without the abiding presence presence of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Do you, do you believe that? And, and I believe we're coming into the greatest revival that mankind has ever seen. But, but Jesus outlines in this passage keys to embracing the power of the Spirit and receiving the power of the Spirit. And this is quite simple and, and, uh, and, and quite powerful, I believe. And, and, and we just got, we'll just work through this verse and have a look. So if we, if we have a look at the book of John again, John chapter... Seven, Jesus stands up and he says in verse 37, he says, if anyone 
thirst. Somebody say thirst. Thirst is, a, is, a, is, the, is the powerful thing that attracts us to the power of God. Thirst for the presence, a thirst for the power of heaven, a thirst for a revelation of Jesus and who he is and what he does and how he moves. And he says, if any, if any man thirsts, do you know, thirst is a, is a funny thing. Thirst is a funny thing. I'm not, that was totally subconscious, by the way. I just realized I'm a bit thirsty, to be honest. The problem with being thirsty is I could go to McDonald's right now and get a large Diet Coke. Oh, bless Jesus. That's probably my favorite. Get a, get, get, I'm, uh, no, um, I don't want a frozen Coke or I would have said that. Um, a Diet Coke and, and, and full of ice and, and, and uh, to me, if I could drink anything right now, that's what I feel like, a lot more than that. Uh, to be honest, that, that's just what I feel like. Now, the point that I'm trying to make is, uh, within about half an hour, as a result of drinking that, even though momentarily I feel satisfied, I feel very satisfied, uh, but it will actually make me worse off than I was even before I drank it. The actual drinking of that will deplete something from my system. If you are a lawyer here today and you work for Coca-Cola, I'm lying. But if you're not, I'm, I'm telling the truth. And, and, and the truth is, we all thirst in life. I remember, and I, I was sort of debating, do I tell this story, do I not tell the story? I used to live in a unit in Clemsig, and, and we had these, these weeds that would grow in the backyard, and they were growing a bit, and I thought, yeah, I need to deal with them, and then they grew a bit more, I thought, yeah, I really need to deal with them, and a bit more. Eventually, they were two meters high, and I d- thought, I can't really deal with them, and, and so and I needed it. I was moving out, I was getting married, so I thought I should sort it out, and so I got this guy... Uh, from Jim's mowing over to deal with that. And, and it was like the hottest day. I don't know if you remember that heat wave a few years ago that was like 40 degrees plus for like nine or 10 days, like March seven years ago or whatever. It was back then. And so this guy comes on that day uh, in that season and, and he starts cleaning the backyard and, and getting rid of that stuff. And I was just fully like thinking this poor guy. And I'm, he didn't have water with him. So I'm saying, do you want a drink? I can get you water. And he's going, no, I'll be good. And he goes, I, I, I said, are you sure? He goes, no, I'm good. And he's sweating and he's working. Do you want a drink? He said, no, I'm good. And then finally, this is what he tells me. He says, this is what I like to do on a hot day. I like to work up a thirst. And he goes, then I want to go to the pub. And he said, I just want the coldest, most awesome beer you've ever had in your life. Again, in here, if you drink beer, you could end up in hell, so be careful. Uh, we, won't, we won't even go near that debate this evening. But what I will say is he told me that that's what he felt like. So he endured all of that thirst because all he wanted to do was have that, have that drink at the end of the day. Now, the thing that's amazing is if I was in that heat, the last thing I'd be thinking about was, you know what, I'm just going to uh, just work this thirst up and just build this thirst. I'm thirsty right now. It's 41 degrees. I'm cutting out two meter weeds under a Hills Hoist clothesline. And so I want to drink right now. Isn't it amazing how you can cultivate what, what, what satisfies the thirst of your heart? And to me, that wouldn't have satisfied me at all. Uh, to me, I would have wanted something right there and then. And for all of us in our lives, there is a thirst 
for something bigger than what we have. And it is a thirst for God put there by the Holy Spirit. However, we don't feel that sense of thirst because we have learned to satisfy ourselves with other things. And as the people of God, he says, if any man thirsts, and I want to encourage you to be a people that know how to, to, to direct our thirst to the things of God. Psalm 42 says this, a psalm of David is the deer pants or panteth for the flowing streams or for the waters. So, my, so pants my soul for you, O God, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. David had cultivated a thirst for God's presence. God's pre- David sleeps with Bathsheba. A dodgy thing to do. Naughty David, uh, and it was not good. When he prayed, he never prayed in his repentance prayer, God, cover this, help me get out of strife. You know, the kind of prayers that we pray, like, God, if you get me out of this, I'll never do that again. Uh, maybe you're not admitting it, but you've all prayed it. And so he just prays, uh, restore to me the joy of my salvation. He says, take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. Did I say that? I think I said that twice. He, so he, he's saying, God, it's your presence. I, I want your presence. Better is one day in your house than a thousand elsewhere. David, even though he messed up, he got things wrong. The thing that sustained David all the way through was he had a, a thirst that he developed for the presence of God. And I, I, I can tell you, come on, somebody. Does anyone believe that? Or am I preaching to a wall tonight? I, I believe that, that a, a thirst for the presence of God is the most important thing that we can have. Because when you thirst for the presence of God, God meets you at your point of faith. And he comes. And, and uh, he, here's, here's the thing. What, what we drink of in our life, what we drink of in our life will eventually determine the things we thirst for. You know, it's a little thing. But how often do we get on our phone and we look at social media or we look at this? If we added our time in the Word versus our time just looking at social media, looking at everyone else's stuff, keeping up with the Kardashians, and uh, I can't... Anyway, that, that's great. You, you, can, you can spend all your time doing that, but at the end of, at the end of your week, at the end of your month, you've laboured over things that are of little importance rather than thirsting for God. And, and you know, I, I, I'm not preaching to you and saying, you terrible people. I, I spend way too much time on that stuff. It can be a total distraction. And can I tell you, when, when that stuff has a minimal pull on your life, you'll have greater effectiveness. I, I think social media is great, providing it serves you and you don't serve it. As long as you're the master and it's not the master, then it's fantastic. I'm on Snapchat now. Anyway, <laughs> second thing he says, if any man thirsts, let him come. We'll talk about coming to God in a minute, but let him come. I believe as, as the pastor here at church, it's my job to create space for you to come and drink. I believe that is a, a mandate to us as leaders at church to Create space to create room to let you come and drink. I would hate to think that thirsty people have nowhere to go to receive from heaven when they come to this church. I pray that if you're thirsty, you can be satisfied by the presence of God here 
in our services. And, I, and my prayer is that during worship, you're satisfied. That during the Word, you get satisfied. That, that when, you, you, when you come to altar time, you, you're satisfied by the power and the presence of God. And you can know that this is a church where you can come and you can, and you can drink. Tonight, at the end of the message, we're going to worship. We're going to sing the same song we were singing before. I know that you are here now because I believe God is here now. And if we take some time at the end of this message and, and just come with hunger and thirst for God, I believe the Spirit of God can move and touch people even in this room tonight. You might be visiting and not fully understanding what I'm saying about God. T- what do you mean God touching me? And, and I, I'm talking about where you come into a, an atmosphere where God himself is, is so real and, and, and prevalent that it's not about uh, God and every Everyone. It's about God and you, and uh, and God's touching you and meeting you where you're at, and 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 ministering to your heart. I don't want to just know God based on the pages of this book. However, the way I see God, the way I I understand God is through the page of this book, but I want to know him by his spirit and by his reality as well in my life. Are you with me tonight, friends? You, and because I believe this is so important for sustaining us as the people of God, let him come. And, and, and the third thing I want to look at, he says, let him come unto me and drink. So, so we got to let people come, but you got to come and drink. And, and, and this is where it goes on to you. And it, it rests on your shoulders. It's, all, it's one thing for us as a church. Come on, if you're hungry, we're going to pray and believe God. But if there's no hunger, we can provide room. But again, nothing's going to happen. It's about making room, but us responding to the power of God and saying, God, would you touch my life? Would you fill me with your, with your spirit's power and, and, and change my heart. Come and drink. The word drink in this, in this passage means exactly this. According to, according to the Strong's Concordance, it, it means to figurative, figuratively to receive into the soul what serves to refresh, strengthen, and nourish unto life eternal. Refresh, strengthen, and nourish. You know something? There is not one person here, uh, from the most spiritual to probably the, mo- the, most, the most sort of unsure of themselves in the things of God, there is not one person in this room that doesn't need regular times of refreshing. The Bible talks about times of refreshing need to come. You and I need to be refreshed. And, and it doesn't always happen here in church or in the context of, a, of an altar call or, or whatever. Refreshing comes in your own time with God, in your own time in His presence. When I pray, when I, when I seek God, when I get away from the busyness of my life and, and come in contact with God, there is a refreshing that comes into my spirit, that nourishes my soul, that brings strength into my spirit. And that's the power of drinking of heaven. How do we drink? We, we drink when we sing to God and, and, and worship. Some of our worship is sterile. It's not where it used to be. I mean, we used to lift our hands a little bit and used to sing. I mean, we do, sorry, we lift our hands a little bit, we sing a little bit, but there was a time where every part of you was reaching out to God. It's almost like you didn't have enough hands. You, you just wanted to bring heaven into your world and, and, and bring God into your soul. And, and maybe as we've become more, more mature in our walk with God. We've gotten a little bit more staid. And I don't know about you, but I pray that we just have a church where even those that have been saved for 
50 years would be new Christians, you know, like, wow, God's awesome. God's doing something. And, and you praise God like you still can feel the flames of hell that had you. But, but then you sense God set you free and you live in the freedom of God. And do, you know, do, do you remember what it was like when you were bound? Do you remember what it was like before Jesus broke the chains of darkness off your life and your eyes were open to the things of God? Maybe if you've forgotten, maybe if you can't remember anymore, maybe it's been so long. I'm not, I'm not trying to get you to work up some feeling of, uh, of negativity, but, but just ask God, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Come on, somebody. Does any, anyone believe it? I believe this. I believe it with all of my heart because I know that it'll change Life and praying, receiving from heaven. He said, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believe? That word receive means to violently seize. Some people go, you know, oh, yeah, if God wants to do it, he can. He won't. I promise he, 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 he'll, he'll come to those that have faith. He'll come to those who, who drink. He'll, he'll come to those who, who wish to receive and say, God, I'm not leaving until I'm touched by you. I want to see something happen in my life. And it's, kind of, it's an attitude of faith that says, God, I, I place a demand on the power of heaven. Let's not just be open. Let's, let's press in. You know, a thirst, uh, thirst is... One thing, dehydration is a, a whole other thing. And, and, but really, if you're thirsty, if you've got a dry mouth, it's an indicator you need a drink. When you get a dry mouth, it's one of the first things that is a notification to you. You need to have a drink. You need to, you need to get some water in your system because we're 30% water. Did you know that? We're, in fact, I think actually we're like 99% water. But like, I mean, it's actual water in its purest form, 30% of my weight is water, which is a blessing. So I'm going to stop drinking for a long time and then I'll be just a ripe 50 kilos. Don't do the maths because I'm making up numbers. So they're deceptive. But, but do you know, five common symptoms of dehydration are disorientation, restlessness, irritability, apathy, and dry eyes. Disorientation, restlessness, irritability, apathy, and dry eyes. Now, I don't want to be corny or make a doctrine that that isn't there. But, but, but if we're spiritually dehydrated, maybe we have similar symptoms in our spiritual life. A bit disorientated. We, we just don't know where we're going in God anymore. You know, we, or, or where we're at. or Just not sure. We used to feel like God was doing this, but now it's like, oh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you need refreshing. Just so you, just a, bit more, just a bit more perspective comes back into the picture restlessness. I feel like sometimes there's a time where, you know, you'd come to church early, hang around. If there was an older call, you were there. But now maybe life's gotten so busy that you get to church late and leave as quick as you can. There's no, there's no sense of, of lingering in, in the anointing and in the presence of God. Now, the reason I'm saying those things is because the truth is these days, if, if a service goes more than an hour in most places. People start going, mm, I don't know. I, I don't think I can concentrate. And we get told, in, in, even in, in, in conferences, often, keep your messages to 20 minutes because people don't have 
an attention span long enough to hear any more than that. And I, I just sort of, I, I feel like the devil won't, won't make you bad. He'll just make you busy. And, and, and we just get busy. We're too busy. We've got this on. We've got everything else on. Busy, 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 busy. And there's just not times in our life where we get rid of the restlessness and we just have the patience to take the time to be refreshed in his presence. Under the anointing of God, where we take a moment. The worship team were rehearsing the other week. And in the afternoon, they are just going through their songs. And in fact, I don't even know if they did get through their songs. But what happened was they just began to worship. Unstructured, just worshiping in the spirit. And I wasn't there, but the glory of God fell in that place. And, and, and there's more that happens in those moments. You can rehearse every song until the cows come home, but unless there's those moments of presence, then they can sound good, but they're not going to transform. And, and it's those moments as a church that a lot of the beautiful things of God take time. I, I get invited to preach in church and they say, you've got 30 minutes to preach uh, and, and then we want you to just take five minutes and move in the Holy Ghost. And I just get, get to a point now and say, well, I can't do that. I'm not going to do that. And so if you want me to preach 35 minutes, I'll preach 35 minutes, but then I'm going to sit down because it takes time to build people's faith. And God does not march to the beat of my drum. He moves when he wants to move. And I think we forget that he's the sovereign God of heaven. And so I'll preach, I can preach because I believe there's power in preaching the word of God. But and if God wants to do something, that's fine. But I can't just go, yes, at 30 minutes, I'll just start laying hands. I won't lay hands on anyone ever unless I feel a liberty and a freedom from God to do that uh, in faith. I mean, if you come to me after the service with a need, I'll do that because God tells us to pray for people that call on us for a need. But I, but I mean, just, just haphazardly, I take that stuff so seriously. Uh, but, but the world has gotten so, and the church world has gotten so, so restless and impatient that it's like, we need to have this now. It's got to, got to be now. Yeah, we have a run sheet. Yeah, we have time clocks. But that's because I want a time clock because I'll just keep talking. And, and, and that doesn't help either. But at the end of the day, that thing submits to the Holy Spirit. Our, our run sheets still submit to the Holy Spirit. And, and what we do here is submitted to the Holy Spirit. Their song choices are submitted to the Holy Spirit. And if God wants to change this service in one second, we will run with faith and, and passion and do whatever God wants to do. And so we believe in order and all of those things. But at the end of the day, sometimes I do think we keep it so short because we want to make sure everyone's happy and, you know, we, we don't want to interrupt their lives. Can, can I say, I feel like a passion for the house of God and more than the house, but the presence is so important. And I'm not trying to beat up anybody. But I, I sort of sound more frustrated than I am. I'm not frustrated at all. I'm just saying every now and then, let's just take some time. To be refreshed. Yeah. Yeah. Just take some time. Yeah. Oh yeah, but but I got this on. I reckon this and that and everything else. Holy Spirit's presence, the exaltation of the name of Jesus, worshiping with the body of Christ and the saints, coming to the house of God and lifting up holy hands and declaring the greatness of God, should still be the number one thing that we want to do in our week and then go out and tell people about Jesus and see God do something. And, and I believe this with all of my heart, that as the people of God, if we're going to drink and we're going to be thirsty, let's, let's not be restless. Let's not, let's, otherwise, to me, that's a symptom that maybe our water levels are just a little bit low and we need to, we need to lift our water level. Another, another, another sign of dehydration is irritability. 
frustrated Christians. I don't know. I get to that point when I, when I haven't been doing this in God, I'm frustrated. I get easily frustrated. And you know, for me, I can't live in that space because it can get in your spirit. I've got a drink. I've got a drink. Apathy is another issue that happens with dehydration. Our passion and urgency for God and his purpose just, it goes. It just, it's just a bit apathetic. I don't know if that's you or, or if that's talking to you. It talks to me. I read that and think, man, I, I need a drink. I need to be in the presence of God more than ever. Another symptom is dry eyes, which gives blurred vision. Your vision gets blurred. The hopes of your heart, the things that you believe that God's called you to do get blurred and, and you don't possess the promise of God like maybe you did before. He says, come and drink. I want to I wanna beat the dehydration in my heart with the presence of Jesus. You know, so make me wrestle with you to get you to the altar when it's time to see God move. I'm not, I'm not saying tonight, I'm saying in general. As a church, let's not be a church that has to be cajoled or pushed. Just, we should come hungry. You know, when there's altar calls going, if I'm not the one doing them, I'm at them. I want to I wanna be under that touch of heaven. He says, he, said, he says, come and drink. He, he said, he who believes in me, we've got to believe. We've got to believe that God wants to do something. It's faith. We've got we, we to have a sense of faith that God's going to do something. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Rivers of living water. Rivers of living water. Rivers of living Out of his heart, out of your life. An overflow, out of your innermost being supernatural flow that flows out of your life is the power of God. I'm going to close it. You know, as, as in ministry, as, as a pastor, you get told, go to Bible school and learn and grow, serve and do all, and do all of those things. And they're all good things to do. Definitely good things to do. It's all part of it. You know, my number one job as a, as a man of God and as a leader, as a pastor, my number one job is to drink. Because the Bible says, as you drink, out of your innermost being flows a river of living water. I got to drink to a point that the overflow of my time with God is what I bring to the people of God. I, I really do believe that I'm talking to our leaders in this room, every person, a lot of you are awesome at serving. A lot of you are awesome at giving and you're, you're awesome at everything you do. But, but I, I, would, I, would hate, I would hate for us to lose our ability to still draw near to God and receive from heaven and receive the touch of the Holy Spirit. Because as a church, as God's people, I, I believe God's saying to us, come and drink, be filled be refreshed, be strengthened, be nourished. Let, let the hand of God come into your world, come into your life. Because if we're dry, what's the overflow of that? What's the overflow of, 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 an, empty, of an empty vessel? The Bible says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. This bottle could be you, you know, and uh, it's a good bottle. But you know, if that bottle tops on, I can't get water to fill that bottle. 
But once the water's full, often what a lot of Christians do is they do seal the bottle. They don't pour themselves out anymore. They don't pour themselves out in ministry or serving. Or I'm talking about outside of the walls of this church. Just bringing what God's given us and releasing it. And so you might be filled, but you also might be closed after you've been filled. I tell you, when, when, when we're empty and when we're thirsty, we're in a good place if we know that we always come to Him and drink and God can do something. And you know, in this place, I, I would love it, worship team, if you could make your way up as quick as you can, that would be awesome. But I, I want us to stand tonight and, and just for a moment, let's lift our hands to God and, and, and just take some time in God's presence and let the Spirit of God touch hearts and touch lives and Jesus 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 we worship come on why don't we just raise our hands to God and hear Come on, church, let's push in.